Welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast with your hosts, Belinda Weaver and Kate Toon. In each 20-minute episode, we'll be sharing the secrets of successful copywriters, including copywriting tips, shortcuts, writing resources, interviews, and laughs, all focused on helping you to become a better copywriter. Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to the Hot Copy Copywriters (laughs) Virtual Christmas Party. I'm Belinda Weaver and I'm Kate Toon. Hello. And we're the hosts of the Hot Copy Podcast. Um, So we had this idea to have this kind of virtual copywriters Christmas party because, well, we're in different parts of the world and copywriters we know and are friends with are all in different parts of the country. And it's just kind of nice to get together. So what we thought we'd do today is talk about um, surviving Christmas, right, Kate? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Okay. So the first thing is, are you taking time off over Christmas? And I already know the answer because I read your flying solo blog post. It was all a lie. No, I'm supposed to be taking seven weeks off, which was supposed to start two weeks ago. But two of my um, copywriting projects have run over uh, time. And also I'm still finishing off a bit of coaching from my SEO course. So I officially finish on Friday and I will be back probably the second or third week of January. So it will be about six weeks, five weeks. It'll be a while anyway, maybe a month. Is that the, <laughs> long- I'm take- Is that the longest time you've had today? No, no. I used to take a lot more time off in, in, in the olden days until I got serious about things. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, now, I, now it, I find it very hard to take time off. But, um, yeah, what about you? You, you, you were going to take a whole month off too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Actually, my parents arrive from Australia in 10 days and we're going to go to New York for Christmas. Yay! And it's going to be awesome. So, yeah, I'm basically taking off from the day they arrive on December 19th all the way through till January the 7th or the 10th or something when they leave. Hooray, hooray. And I'm going to be boring my computer as much as possible. Cool. We've already, the first one, I guess, Belinda, is, is yours. About Guys, are you taking... Any time off over Christmas? I'm taking off between the public holidays here in Australia, so the Christmas Eve through to the weekend after New Year's, and then it's it's back into it because um, it's just a lot easier for me to work during that time and then take off time later when their prices are lower and all the people with children have packed up and gone home. Um, what about you, yeah, Steve? I'm going to take probably from the 22nd of December till probably the first week ish of Jan, depending on what's on. That seems to be the kind of standard. Yeah, Christmas it's break, pretty much it? two weeks, and then sort of see how you go. That first week back, nothing much happens anyway. What do you think are the pros and cons of working through Christmas? So, um, Belinda, what do you reckon? Well, I'd say working through Christmas, it's generally quiet. Um, it's kind of a nice time to get your own marketing and planning and stuff like that done. But the cons are it's also a really nice, it's a really easy time of year to take some time off. So why not? What about you, Kate? Uh, I just think it's all con, really. I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, I'm not remotely religious, uh, but I do uh, worship consumerism. So I think it's very important to take time off at Christmas and spend money on things you don't need. Um, no, I, I, um, I, I, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's just some it's a period when I don't want to work, and usually when I'm a bit burned out anyway and need a bit of a bit of a gap. So um, yeah, I'm always glad to take some time out. And my son's off school, my husband's off as well, so it makes sense for us to take time off. Then. Mm-hmm. And what about you two, retrograde uh, Beck? What do you do? You think it's a, a good thing? I mean, you just said you maybe prefer to save that time and do it later in the year. Look, I think there's pluses and minuses to it, but the one thing that you've always got to remember is that your clients aren't going to turn up to your funeral. So why give them a live slice of, of special time that you could be spending with friends and family who actually have the time off to enjoy it with you? Um, there's no amount of money in the world that can replace actually hanging out with your mates and catching up. So considering in Australia that most of the people do it between December and January, that's when I do it. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have any mates like Steve, then maybe it's, uh, you know, it's not such of a big deal. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what these <laughs> mates things you're talking about. So, yeah, I just plough on through. 
<laughs> no, seriously though, do you do you always take time over Christmas? Do you think it's do you think it's important? Yeah, and I think of what you said earlier. Like it, it just feels like just feels like a natural conclusion to the end to the year anyway. So you're pretty exhausted and it, like I don't know, it feels like you're just working towards that break anyway. So you know, yeah. there's pros in that you could probably work between that week between Christmas and New Year, and you'd probably get a lot done because there's no distractions. But yeah, it just feel it's just party time, and my birthday's in that week as well. So it's just it's all, it's all good. Do you still get presents even though it's your birthday? Do you still are you one of those poor kids that only got one present? No, my mummy made sure I got separate presents. Oh, good mummy. Yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, cool. The next question belongs to Belinda Weaver, so I'm going to let her ask it. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked a little bit about kind of the why it's good to take time off, but do you guys find there's a rush over Christmas? You get a lot of clients going, oh, "I need this and I need it by the New Year," because I never did. Uh, do I get sorry? You went a bit gobbledygooky there. Do I? I get clients uh, asking for work. Um, well, you know, I just have a constant flow of people desperate to work with me. It doesn't matter what time of year. No, I haven't had. I've had a few people saying, "Oh yeah, I'd like to get it done before Christmas," but you know, it's kind of slightly ridiculous uh, at this late stage. Um, a lot of people are more realistic and they want to get started in January, but even that is a bit late. You know, I think most. Copywriters are usually booked at least a couple of weeks in advance, that if not three or four. So yeah, I have had a bit of a frantic, frantic run. You have to kind of question them and go, well, you know, what's driving that deadline? Just like the rest of us, they kind of want to get things wrapped up by the end of the year as well, I guess. But you know, don't take their urgency and make it your own urgency is, is my advice. All right, what about you? Um, look, do you get a Brush, I, I do, or? but I think everyone does because everyone, you know, the sales cycles and the quarterly budgets and all that sort of stuff. People have got money that they want to spend on their businesses before the end of the year. They start panicking because they think, oh, crap, I want to launch such and such a project in 2016 and 2016 is around the corner. But it's like anything in life. You can't just let people um, say yes to things in their imagination and not qualify what actually doing and I think that that you know I've had people offer me tens of thousands of dollars to cancel my holidays and work on their projects and I keep a log of all those wonderful crazy people and the majority of them don't even end up with their project live let alone live during that period so it's kind of taught me that sometimes we get caught up in the hype and it's not necessarily the best thing moving forward yeah yeah I think that's good Good point. And Steve, what about you? Have you had lots of people? Not Steve, do you take? Do you find there's a rush of? Yeah, yeah, it's it's really hectic at the moment, but um, it's probably driven more by well half by me as well, just wanting to get everything done by that twenty second date. So I've got I don't have things hanging over me over that period, so I can just completely relax. So yeah, it's always the same, always a rush, but um, yeah, it's cool. You know, it's coming, so. Yeah, true, true. Um, and I think the next question kind of uh, relates to me uh, because I'm having this problem at the moment. How do you deal with straggling projects when you really need the, the break? So, you know, projects that don't seem to end. But how do you do you draw a line and just say, look, I'll get, I can't do any more. I'm going to have to get back to you after Christmas. Or, or how do you deal with projects that run over? I, I definitely so, draw the line. You have to. It's part of respecting yourself and it's also respecting the client's project, not doing it when you're too tired and not doing it when you're not in the mood. You know, it's like you wouldn't drive a friend home drunk, so you don't drive a, a project home when you're fatigued. It's the same sort of thing. So, you know, if you educate people and you let them know, then they're usually pretty cool. And sometimes you've got to get your bondage mistress gear out and kick them up the ass and get them moving a little bit quicker so you can make the deadline. But you know what? So what? I mean, last year the deadline that I had was actually launching an entire website in four weeks because the developer was getting a caesarean to deliver twins. Now, if you can't get to that point where you can manage that kind of process and get two guys involved in the project to push it through, then there's something wrong. So we were able to do that and, and I think it's achievable and anyone that's kind of still struggling, maybe they've got uncertainties in their head, let them have the Christmas break to think about it, revisit it in the new year. Steve, well, how do you deal yep. with stragglers? How do you deal with stragglers? How do you cut people off? Um, yeah, I've, you just sort of um, forward plan a little bit and say, listen, I'm finishing on on this date and, you know, I won't be available again for two weeks. And so, 
Um, so it's very clear in their mind and they know when I'm taking time off and, and that's it, then it's up to them, sort of puts, them, puts the ball in their court. I think it's hard though. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I was supposed to be finishing up a couple of weeks ago and you know, it's, it, I know that my client's in strife and it's not her fault and I kind of want to help, so I push it out and push it out. And yeah, it's, uh, you, need to be, you need to be strong, strong. And I'm not particularly strong, I'm a bit weak. But you just got to be cruel like Steve and just say, no, I won't help you. <laughs> on um, and then become become all nice again in the new year. Yeah, exactly. Hi, I'm back again. Hi. Yeah. The other thing um, that leads on from this is kind of charging a premium for urgent work. Like, you know, I think amongst us, we, I think we've talked about this before where we've said, generally speaking, urgent projects that come in get charged maybe 25% premium. But do you charge a special premium for Christmas? Um I'll jump in. I, I don't, but I, I probably would just give them a high quote, and if they accept it, great. If they don't, too bad. Yeah, I don't charge um, extra either. I, I, I've never charged a rush rate or anything like that. If I can do the work, I can do the work. Um, or, and, you know, I'm like you, maybe I'll charge a higher quote. But if I didn't want to work, I wouldn't even go there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't no amount of money would, would be enough, I think, as Beck said before, you know, people pay – offer you lots of money to do stuff and sometimes it, that isn't worth it. Brooke, do you charge a premium over Christmas? Uh, no, because people likely start negotiating and say, oh, but, 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 but. So um, I, I'm with you guys. I do, I would charge a higher rate than normal, but I wouldn't let them know that I was putting extra loading on top for the fact that it's uh, a Christmas period. I had um, a really terrible Christmas last year. This is a warning story of what not to do um i was actually volunteering with an organization so it gets worse and um i we had a crowdfunding campaign and stupidly picked the date of january 1st to launch so everything was really really busy around the christmas period yeah we were getting all this social media stuff together in preparation i was writing the the landing page for the crowdfunding website and the landing page for um, the organization's website. Um, I was creating PayPal accounts. It was it was a total. Um, I'm trying not to swear now. It was a total challenge. Yes. And something that I won't be repeating again because it, it pretty much wiped out most of December and definitely preoccupied me in in January. And all for, you know, for money that never really hit my bank account and never hit my bank account at all. It was all out of the goodness of my heart. So, well, yeah. you're, a, you're a fool, a crazy <laughs> fool. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. Uh, so, again, like when you've got this period where you're not working and, you, you know, you shut, shut, shut the door, do you just um, do you not reply to emails or anything or do, you put up a, or do you just occasionally dip in and answer a few emails just to keep things shopping along or just leave it completely? No, unless it was like massively exciting to me, unless it was, you know, some huge, hugely exciting, um, unlikely occurrence in my inbox, then I would definitely not respond because once you open, you know, open the doors to that, then where does it end? You know, you, you kind of, you start with a little, you give away a little and then all of a sudden you're back in email responding to everybody. So, yes. Yeah. I agree. I'm terribly bad at that, though. I do respond. Uh, Steve, what about you? Do you do you have radio silence, or do you? Um, yeah, not really. Like with my main clients, they all sort of know, you know, like leading up to it that I'm going to take time off for a couple of weeks. But yeah, like I'll probably dip in, you know, occasionally over the period just to check in to see what's happening. I don't know whether that's a control thing or not, but it doesn't. It doesn't really stress me. Even if something has come through, then I just quickly reply and go, oh, I'm on a break and I'll be back on blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, yeah look at them. You know, what I always find is, well, I just remind myself that we're copywriters. And what are we talking about? Website copy, a brochure, you know, no one's going to die or like it's not life threatening. <laughs> it can wait. Yeah. Like nothing we're doing. <laughs> obviously not taking it seriously I enough. Know, so. I know. Clearly, you know. I'm not, but I, like, I, I am saving lives. You know, the copy <laughs> that I've just written about these gas appliances, that's important, man. I know I know plumbers need to do their business and I know their website's an important part of that, but you know what? Like my out-of-office is not. Like personally, the trouble I have is that your email is so accessible on the phone. 
I find yeah. it difficult not to kind of go, oh, I'm just going to quickly check it. But I just, I try not to, um, I just try and filter the stuff I respond to. So I respond to stuff I'm interested in. And if it's a client, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm on holidays. And Christmas, Christmas, I have to admit, I'm going to be trying a little harder because, um, you know, my folks are in town, we're doing proper family stuff and we're traveling together and it's going to be quite easy for me to go, oh, I just have to do a little bit of work and just kind of lock myself in my bedroom and go, oh, my God. So, Sometimes that's a good thing, though, when it gets too hectic. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. I've got to go do a bit of work for two hours. Sorry. No, I just yeah. put Netflix on. Yeah, no, I've had too. I've had too many holidays, really, <laughs> where you know I'm I'm at some fabulous you know exotic locale and I'm having a great time, and I think I'll just check my email, and then all of a sudden you know quotes are falling over or clients are having emergencies, and if you'd only left it, it would have been fine. It would have worked itself out. It would have been fine. So yeah, yeah. exactly right. So mm-hmm. we're talking about kind of dealing with you know, client responses, like how do you respond to clients, Beck, when they contact you and you're officially off the grid? Well, it's just, look, it's just a matter of education. I let them know before I go on holidays that this is, this is what's happening, this is where I'm going to be, this is when I'm back. And it's, if they decide to respond during that time, then that, that's, that's, that's their skittles. You know, and with the new clients, they'll just get the auto return and then I respond to them when I come back. I think the challenge is, though, that because people are so hyper-connected, they're used to checking their emails, they're used to checking their social media, they're used yeah. to checking everything. So the biggest tip yeah. is turn all that stuff off, you know. Don't go on Facebook. Disconnect the internet. Unplug. Don't have the notifications yeah. annoying the crap out of you because it is all designed to actually get you addicted to responding to that. So... Just remove what makes you addicted, which is being notified in the first place. Just don't check it. And I have to admit, I actually usually put that in my out of office to say, this is a time to be with your friends and your family and the people you love and just, you know, why are you emailing me? Because you should be having fun. Yeah, exactly. Get naked, get drunk and find a pool boy, you know, have some fun. (laughs) (laughs) So this gets into kind of like um, what we... We mentioned um, a little bit earlier, like how much would you have to be paid? This is something Steve raised, um, and I'll let you lead on this, Steve. How much would you have to be paid to miss Christmas morning? Like five grand, ten grand? Like what would be your price to say, we just need you for two hours? This was Steve's question. We just need you for two hours on Christmas morning, and then you'll be done. How much money would it take? And I can't believe I asked this question because, like, <laughs> all week I've been wrestling with it. <laughs> and I'd like to say nothing, no amount of money for that Christmas morning with the boys. But yeah, I don't know. Then you, if someone goes, here's 20 grand for two hours, and you go, well, that could pay for an amazing overseas holiday where I get to spend weeks with my boys, you know. Your wife's not on blab, is she, Steve? No, she's not. <laughs> but by the same token... Tough? She'd probably go, yeah, take it so we can renovate the, you know, the such and such. I have a so, feeling my husband would be the same. He'd be like, I'll, I'll sort the presents, take the money. <laughs> because yeah. we're things with it. And I thought this was really tough as well because I was the same. I was like, no, the memories are so much more precious. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, ooh, but how I much? Reckon, like, and then I, I was a bit embarrassed. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, I've been struggling. I reckon I'd take, if someone said 20 grand for those two hours, I'd go, yep, I'd take it and then Mm. find out what they got later. Gail in the chat saying, I can hear my husband now saying, well, just delay the kids a bit. That would be perfect. (laughs) No, no, you have to miss them opening the presents. You can't delay it. What about you, Brooke? What would your your price be? Would you have one? Oh, look, I'm not that sentimental, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask about this kind of thing. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I 10000 would be nice, Twenty, yes. Um, you know, I don't know. I, like I said, I'm not that sentimental and it is just a day. Um, there's, I, I, I had a client a few years back where I was paid to get on Twitter every single day and tweet on their behalf and I'd have to get on their website and then tweet across all their different channels and I gave myself 
Christmas Day off. But I didn't really, you know, I didn't do it out of some kind of sense of, you know, sentimentality or, or family values or whatever. I did it because I thought, well, you know, you're not giving me any direction. I'll, I'll grant myself a holiday, goddammit. Um, so, yeah, wrong person to ask, really. What about you, Beck? I think I know your answer. Well, considering that our child is a four-cord Labrador that's barking in the background, he's not going to give stuff about Christmas being on Christmas. So we'd probably use the 20 grand to go and have a white Christmas somewhere. I think the thing is with any of, any of these things in life, you look at the trade-off. So if you can recoup a particular situation and you can remake it, have a fake Christmas three days later or have another set of holidays at another time. If it's something that is absolutely essential, like taking someone to the hospital or looking after someone that you're not going to see again or that kind of stuff, no amount of money should be able to shift your values and change what you're going to do. Also, the other thing is too, though, most of the time freelancers work really freaking hard. They forget to take holidays. So this public holiday stuff is actually an excuse for us to shut the laptops down, to shut the social media down and to actually think about the fact that we need to take a break. Because quite frankly, I've never met a freelancer who could set their own boundaries. So having a calendar that leans on top of you when 90% of the rest of the world is having a break is a positive thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Kate? Beautiful. What would you, what would you, would you miss the two, the present opening with the boy? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I'm not cold like that, that ice cream. No, I love, I love, I love Christmas. I love giving people presents and seeing their stupid expressions. And uh, you know, um, I mean, look, it was a million dollars. You know, maybe uh, there's a lot of things I might do for a million dollars. But you know, ten grand, you can earn ten grand. You know, easy, can't you? It's not that that's that hard. Uh, so no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss it. Um, you only get like fifteen decent ones with your kids before they start hating you and not wanting to spend it with you. So. Uh, I'll, I'll treasure everyone, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. Christmas cards and gifts for clients. Do you do it? And if so, what sort of things do you do? <laughs> I don't do them. I'll just say that now. I don't do Christmas cards. I don't do, don't do e-cards. I don't, I don't do nothing. And I feel a bit bad about that because I used to sort of, every time I finished the job with a client, I'd make a little parcel with a cookie and and stuff and it's all lovely and now I just send them my invoice. <laughs> I used to um when I when I started copyright matters, <laughs> I would at the end of every year I would send a handwritten Christmas card to every single client for the year. So obviously when you start off that's not very many clients. But but after three years I started I was like, oh my God, you know, like the the end Christmas cards with just this blue left-handed ink smear of a scrawl. And I was like, this is, okay, this is getting too much. So what I did to make the shift from, because I think handwritten kind of notes and stuff are, are nice, but um, I think what like what I did to make the shift to the e-card is I said, um, what I'm doing is I'm donating all the money I spend on Christmas cards and stamps to buy a goat, Kate, <laughs> Like to buy a goat in Oxfam or whatever. Um, because I, I, goat. <laughs> I just, I think e-cards yeah. are just sort of like, they're just like an email marketing thing. And it's, yeah, it's another email. But there's no sincerity. Um, what about you, Bruce? Do you send, do you send tokens? And I wasted a lot of time last Christmas trying to find clean skin champagne so I could get a beautifully branded label and put it on there and write something humorous and witty and concise and smart uh, and then concluded that firstly it's really difficult to do and secondly nobody wants to buy no brand or nobody wants to consume um, an unbranded champagne bottle or, mm -hmm. or branded by a business coach slash copywriter. Well, I had I had another idea and it could still happen. It could still happen. Branded chocolate because we're not quite as snobbish with our chocolate as we are with our champagne, but it still has that joyful kind of thing going on. But um, I've, I've taken clients out to lunch before and I think that's been really fun because I get to consume half the lunch and drink half the <laughs> alcohol. Um, uh, you know, you do it only with the favourite clients as well, so that's that's good too. 
Um, and I've given handwritten cards. It's it's a bit tricky, like Belinda said, because, you know, where do you draw the line? Like, you know, the, the client list, the handwriting could get could get laborious. I'm sure it would yeah. do if you were going to give it to everybody. So the jury's still out. I don't know what the perfect Christmas gift is. I like fr- I like things I can consume, food and drink. Me too. Um, and I've re- I've received food and drink hampers before, and I've loved those. Yeah, I love receiving gifts. So I will just add, uh, I don't I don't send them, but I'm more than willing to uh, receive them. <laughs> Me too. Me because too. Balance is expense as well. Where like you don't want to be cheap, but no, like you don't want to spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And in Christmas, yeah. that's how that most yeah. people throw away or don't care about. Yeah. I think I learned a valuable yeah. lesson when we worked at agencies in the fact that we gave a lot of gifts to our clients and then you walked into their rooms and they were surrounded by hampers. They were surrounded by the quirky desk item with the branding all over it. They were surrounded by the crap they were never going to use. And I found even fulfilling yeah. those orders for people, you know, like the things that they cared about the most were the post-it notes because at least they could use them throughout the year. The rest of the stuff was just not that exciting to them and it wasn't that useful. So, there's, you know, like unless it's meaningful, what's the point of giving a gift if it's not meaningful? If you're just doing it to score points, then why bother? Props to that. And Gail in the comments says a well a well written thoughtful note does go a long way, and that's why I always kind of thought the, the handwritten Christmas cards um, would just kind of be a bit of an edge. I got a handwritten Christmas card from a client um, a few years back, and I remember it made a massive, massive impact, and I kept it on my bedside table for months because I was so pleased that finally, finally, a client had taken the time Aww. to pull out the pen. I put something in the mailbox. Something I know. Cold, melted Brooks cold. Then you have cold heart. I'm looking for a violin, but all I can find is a tambourine. Yeah, <laughs> it's more appropriate, I think. But you know, I think that's I think that's um, uh, you know a relevant point in so far as we we put a lot of energy um, and expectation into our into the work that we do, and we want to do the best job possible, and we we care about the quality that we're delivering, and we care about uh, delivering value to people, and we feel like we have some kind of a relationship with these people, and yet you know, oftentimes when push comes to shove. Where's the goddamn Christmas card? You know, where's the thank you note that takes a minute and means so much, you know, and I, I guess what Beck was saying, you know, you have to decide who's going to show up at your funeral and uh, whether that's going to be meaningful for them to receive a card or to receive a, a gift that might be costing you good money or um, whether it's just going to be stuck in the pile with all the rest of the gifts yeah. that they've got. I wish I had a pile of gifts at Christmas. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Got now. <laughs> so, so the next thing we, we kind of thought to talk about here was switching um, switching your headspace from kind of online to real in real life mode. And this was your point back. So so how do you make that switch? Like it's all very well and good to say, close the laptop, you know, don't go on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. But a little uh, more of us are a bit more addicted than that. So how do you how do you make the switch between kind of talking to people in real life as opposed to talking to people in online? Look, I think the thing is too, and I mean I read a lot on this kind of stuff because I'm an ultra nerd that's got an interest in the human brain. <laughs> but the addiction that we have to the internet is closest to, and, and don't freak out about this, gambling and sex addiction. Because you're chasing that one tiny small win, that one tiny small like in a very long tunnel. So if you want to detox yeah. from that kind of stuff, you have to train yourself that that one tiny small microsecond win is not worth all of the long play. And you do that by cutting down your internet usage, um, doing things like even though everyone's like, oh, my God, it's so hipster, adult colouring, drawing, art therapy, all of that kind of stuff, take your neural processes and retrain them not to consume that one second minute of you know, one second of glory for the 10 minutes that you have to lead in. You have to look for things that actually give you sustainable happiness. Pick up a book, put a record on vinyl, go for a dance, take the dog for a walk, do the things that take you away from looking for pleasure in small doses and try and stretch that across things. Um, same as meditation, yoga, 
all of that kind of stuff, even gentle stretching can help you change the way that you think about that stuff because you have to actually delay the gratification. So that's that's the standard answer. Stop looking for it in small bursts and look for something that's more sustainable and do something that's lo-fi that gives you, you know, the same amount of pleasure but over a longer burn as opposed to that high peak. Because it's all, it's all online validation, yeah. isn't it? I Absolutely. I get validated by likes and all that kind of bollocks. And, it, look, it changes our neural processing. It changes the way that we think. It sends our endorphins down different tunnels and changes the way our brain operates so that we start chasing those highs just like a sex addict or a gambling addict would. And we have to be mindful of the fact that that can actually damage our brain over time and use these kinds of excuses to take away and realise, hey, you know what, there is a real world out there. And, you know, I've done it myself. I spend a lot of time. I'm a community manager and a copywriter at the same time, so I spend a lot of time online. But I tell you, if I have two days off the computer and I come back to it, what everyone's saying on Facebook is a lot less interesting than what I thought about it was the week before. And it's because when you concentrate for those kind of likes and for that happiness and for the commentary all the time, you are actually changing the way that you perceive yourself in front of people and the way that your brain perceives happiness. I couldn't agree more. What about for you, Brooke? Do you because you seem to me someone who has a very good grasp on how to really cherish the time with people around you? Is that true, or how do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I think you know, I'm not, I'm not. Um, totally a master at this I struggle like the rest of us to switch off my brain sometimes and you know it, it does become very addictive when you get on a roll you know and you're in bed and it's 11 p.m and you're like oh I've just got to keep scrolling scrolling you know I've done I've done that I've dreamt about twi- I've dreamt about Twitter and I've dreamt about Instagram and I've had conversations with people that I don't really know in my dreams that I know through the internet so that's when it's you know a good sign that you need to switch off um, but I think I am good at chopping and changing and moving between things and maybe that's, you know, possibly perhaps that could be because I've been practising yoga and meditation for a long time. So that ability to kind of switch things on and off and relax on demand, you know, that's something that yoga teaches and meditation teaches, that you can, you can drop things and go, right, now I'm going to relax or now mm-hmm. I'm going to meditate. And, you know, that's possible. And, I think you know, I think these are good life skills and particularly for... Uh, self-employed people because you know there is no off switch there is no boss that's going to tap you on the shoulder and say you've been here long enough it's time to get out of the office you know there is no you don't have those normal barriers and it's 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 easy to work into the evenings and it's easy to just jump on the computer on the weekend and just get a head start on that thing you know that you're going to do on Monday Um, and you know like Beck said when you have two days away and you come back to your to-do list, all of a sudden that stuff on Friday afternoon that was like the world is going to end and this is this is such an emergency that needs to happen right away because it's really important. Monday morning you're reading the list and you're like, there's nothing here. This is all, you know, this is all tat. There's nothing that important on this list. I don't know why I, I thought what I thought on Friday Which afternoon. Which goes back to Beck's so, yeah. point about clients who get all hairy about urgency really go live. Mm. When they think they will. Yeah, look, within about six months of starting working for myself, which was years ago now, eight years ago, um, I was stressing out one evening and I got into bed with my partner. I'm like, oh, I can't get the YouTube clip to upload to, you know, YouTube. It keeps timing out. I can't get the video to upload. And he's like, Brooke, you know, the client, people aren't going to wake up tomorrow morning and say, where is that interview with such and such I've been waiting for? You know, I've been sitting on YouTube waiting for it to come live. Where is it? You know, it ain't going to happen. And it's it's really good to have people around you that can give you that reality check, you know, when, you, when you're starting to lose your perspective on things because I think, you know, it's easy to lose your perspective and it's really important to keep regaining it, to keep recalibrating yeah. it. You're not as important as you think you are, right? No, and, you know, and that's a great thing because when you, it kind of works with our sense of responsibility as well, you know, if you think you are responsible for the, if you think you're responsible for the ills of the world, yeah, 
if you think you're responsible for, you know, for world hunger and for poverty and whatever, it's, you know, it's a massive weight to carry on your shoulders. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't care about these things and we shouldn't think that we can change them. But, you know, little old me is not going to, you know, cure Syria or, or, or change the trajectory of um, global warming, you know, by myself. And so it kind of works hand in hand, I think. So what about you, Kate? How, like, you're, you're starting your holidays now. I know. I think your folks are with you now. How are you You're transitioning between the last projects and you've got a house full of people? How are you making that transition now? Well, I'm quite lucky that my workspace is kind of separated from my living space. So I've taken to um, locking up my uh, mobile in my hut, which means I can't get hold of it in the in the evenings, which is great. And uh, I can't access my email from my phone. I wish I knew how to do that, but I, but I can't. But I've also taken all the uh, social media apps off my phone as well, so that my phone is literally just a phone and a camera. And- Wow. wow, it's tough. Um, but, and I've also, you know, I've fairly intelligently planned everything. So, you know, my course is all finished up and um, my communities are pretty much self-sustaining. So I don't really need to be in there all the time doing stuff. Um, yeah, and um, I think I think it's it's the want as well. I actually, I actually really, really, for a first time in a long time, don't want to be working, don't want to be checking social media. I'm very sick of it. I'm very over it. And um, that, that, that's, you know, that's, that's the, that's, it makes it much easier. I think, uh, you know, during the week when you're like, oh, I kind of like to get that finished, but I've got to go and do the school run. So I'm checking my Instagram while I'm waiting for him to come out. Those are the hard, the hard times, you know, when you feel like you're dragged away from work and you're just trying to squeeze in a few more minutes. But um, right now, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to walk away and just not check any of it. I just don't care. Um, and I think I find as well that if I don't start a conversation, so uh, it's fine to have a look on Facebook and then and, and you know look at the cat videos and whatever and have a play. But if I make if I post anything, well then you have the comments on the post, and then you have to comment on the comments, and then you comment on the comments, and it's just like so I've. This week, I've barely posted on my business page at all because I don't want anybody to engage because as soon as they engage, then I feel I have to engage. And then they engage with my engagement. And it's just, oh, my God. So I find that <laughs> it's fine to dip in and have a look, but don't put anything live. That's what, that's that's been working for me quite well uh, lately. So what do you mean? I'm not- you know, you'll hit the new year and you'll just be on fire because you will have all that time away from it and you'll be genuinely interested. No. Don't you pull faces now. It's true. Maybe in 2017 I'll feel full of fire, I don't know. Let's talk about the, 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 the next year. So um, how are you? Um, how do you prepare for, you know, the start of January? Do you, do you just come back in and get started or do you have a plan? Or um, well, maybe ask um, Beck first. Do you, you know, when you come back in in January and you switch everything back on again and you get stuck in, how do you... How do you not feel overwhelmed and how do you get through that first couple of weeks? I think it's just a process of actually just taking the lessons that you learn from having the time off and applying them to when you're actually working. So make the time to go and exercise, make the time to go and do stuff, make the time to go and get some sunshine and all the rest of it. And and I think actually January is never hard for me. January, February and March are never hard for me because I've had that time away and there's a distance there where I can go, oh, you know what, no one's ever died because the copy didn't land on the web page or no one's ever died because the wrong tweet got sent to the wrong place you know I think what happens though is that we get dug into the trenches and we train ourselves over time and throughout the year to loosen up the boundaries and not be so hard ass so that's what I have to worry is is more about Easter through to winter and stuff like that when the work naturally slows down I'll start letting myself down by accepting more things starting off at the beginning of the year no problem yeah, I mean, I mean, this this whole point about no one's going to die if, if the copywriting is not done. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody believes that they're that important. But I do think, you know, you set expectations for clients, and you want to keep clients happy. And you know, no one's going to die, but you can't not deliver because you you know, so you've got to stick to your deadline. So I do, you know, I do think um, it's because you know if you continuously let clients down because you want to go and walk the dog or do your meditation and obviously you're never going to have a particularly successful business so I think it's you know about giving yourself long enough lead times and, and, and being realistic about 
how much work you can take on. This year I made a rule that I would take on one new project a week, um, which doesn't sound that much. But, you know, I found that that kind of worked pretty well because no project ever quite finished and I only had this many rolling on. It kind of bunched up towards the end of the of the year, but I would only brief in one new project a week. And that worked pretty the size of projects I do, that worked quite well. And I stuck to it throughout the whole year. And it, and it was a lot better than what I usually did with you know, trying to measure Gantt charts and project timelines. And going, well, if I finish this on this one, then I can start that one. Because it never worked out that it way. So a simple rule like that worked quite quite well for me. I think that's what comes down to your processes, though. Like, I'm not advocating for letting down clients at all in any stretch of the imagination. But you've got to face the facts that going and having a walk for an hour or going and having some time away from the desk actually rejuvenates you. So if you're trying to take a working day and you've got eight to ten hours in which you need to do projects, you cannot physically as a human being fill every single minute with client-facing work because you just fall down in the end. You have to actually take breaks and you have to plan for those kinds of things so that you, you know, allow yourself enough time. There's a beautiful theory of allowing yourself an extra hour a day complete screw-ups so when projects go over time when something disrupts you urgent requests and all the rest of it so that if you have that hour and it's actually clean you can work on your business or you can work on yourself or if something goes wrong you've got the time to play catch up and I think you know when you were talking about um, Gantt charts and timing yourself and stuff like that okay it reminded me that that situation can be kind of productive to actually maintaining productivity because you're so busy sort of checking boxes and clock watching that you can actually freak yourself out about the amount of time that's escaping you rather than focusing on what you're getting done. So I guess it's a different way of, of viewing things. And um, I, I did, so talking about like prepping for the new year, for me I'm in kind of, I'm, I'm in quite a busy mode now because what I really want to do is I want to nail, I want to wrap a lot of things up before the end of the year and the end of the year is when my folks arrive on the 19th. So I'm trying to get as much stuff done so that when my autoresponder comes on um, and I'm getting emails in, I can actually go, well, I've got that big project all locked up and all I need to do is pick it up at this point in the new year. I want to start the new stuff in the new year as much as possible. Well, yeah. I've I've been running a free challenge at the moment called the non business plan. Sorry, the non planners business plan, uh, for precisely the purpose that we're talking about the two thousand six planning. And I'm I'm running it because I don't consider myself much of a planner. And the same time every year, the same thing happens where it's like busy, 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 and you're racing towards Christmas, you know, towards this deadline when you're going to knock off and you're going to have this break. And then in that break, you're going to be all productive and creative and you're going to plan out the next year and then it doesn't happen. And you can kind of start in January and off you go and you're racing along towards December and so it goes round. So um, I don't consider myself much of a planner, but there are a couple of things that I, I do um, that work for me. And one of them is to have a, a single goal for the year, um, that relate, obviously that relates to the business. Um, so that might be, you know, writing a book, starting a blog, building the email list, getting to a income um, level and, you know, it, 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 having that singular focus really makes it so much more likely that I'm going to achieve that thing. That makes the question then. Uh, are you willing to tell us what your single goal is for next year? We could all share ours. Be interesting. Um, <laughs> Well, it's, it's, I guess it's the same goal I've had for some years now. She's <laughs> <laughs> rolling it on. <laughs> oh, um, so the goal is to write a book and I've got at least a couple in um, production all in my imagination. Um, so the goal of December is to write the outline of the book and to just map out like, you know, here are the 12 chapters um, and that's it. You know, that shouldn't that shouldn't really take that long. It just requires getting away from the house and the family <laughs> and, you know, and into right behind you i know i know what's, um, what's your goal Beck? um look uh, my goal is a little bit long term i'm going to be uh working with people with internet addiction and i'm actually taking up the lifeline counseling thing so i'm studying through lifeline to be someone that can counsel people by the end of the year in helping with their internet addiction. 
Wow, that's awesome. So that's totally different from copywriting but also very related to working with freelancers because there's, I think there's going to be a bit of a problem with it and there's going to be a metric button of people who have internet addiction problems in the future. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing what I can to work it out for myself so that hopefully I can help others. And, and, and Belinda, what, do you have one? <laughs> I don't know if follow that. You know, well, much like you, Kate, and, and you, Brooke, um, and a lot of people around, I'm, I work around my little families. You saw them come in. So for me, like my goal for this year, my focus for this year was all about um, mindfulness and being present, which is something you mentioned, Brooke, so like switching um, on and off between work. So I really want to continue that. But to be honest, I want to make my, my masterclass scalable. That's probably my big goal and that could probably be done in a really short period of time except that I have a child that doesn't nap anymore. So I work in like little 10-minute intervals and I've got maybe an hour a day, an hour and a half a day. So that's actually my big challenge is, is so if that's why it's a yearly one goal is uh, I know what I'm doing. I'm making my masterclass scalable. Um, but it's going to take me the whole year because I have an hour a day. So what about you, Kate? What's your one goal? We're all saying I don't that. know yet. I haven't, I haven't really decided yet. I'm not sure. Probably more around non-working stuff, more around, you know, uh, getting away and, and doing things and, and embracing life. I had a big year last year. I did a lot of new stuff, um, changed direction, pivoted, always pivoting launched courses, launched five websites, made a whole lot of money, did speaking. So I think I deserve a year of maybe not being ill all the time and, uh, you know, smelling the roses. I can't smell them right now because I'm very snotty. But, uh, yeah, living living a bit more of a life um, while still, you know, making big bucks and dominating the universe but uh, trying to balance it a bit more. But, you know, like talking about having a, an hour a day to work, that's that's the balance that I'm striking right now was one of the reasons I I started becoming a freelancer was to have a family-friendly business. And I realised um, as I was pregnant, actually, that my business wasn't family-friendly at all because I was working all the time. <laughs> so, you know, that's what I'm working for. And it's not about having kids or not having kids. But, you know, it's it's that life balance that you've been talking about, Beck, as well. And um, it's about prioritising what's important. And work is important, but it's not the most important thing. Or, you know, maybe it is to you, but you need to find a balance. So it's, it's, it's working when you're working and it's not working when you're not working, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, work is something you do. It is not who you are. And that's the, the difference between the two. And I think a lot of people, when they're doing entrepreneurship for themselves, they get confused by that because you have to work so long and hard and you have to put so much of yourself in it. We forget that there's still a little human being inside that big shell that we've created for the rest of the world and that little human being still needs nurturing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to title in Christmas time and New Year's is a really nice time when everyone's quiet, everyone's taking time off. Yeah. It's a really good time to be with friends, as you said, get drunk, <laughs> have fun, you know, appreciate <laughs> what appreciate where you're going, all that kind of stuff. Totally. And, you know, what we were talking about before with having small amounts of time and even if you decided, you know, you were going to work through the Christmas period and you were going to limit, you know, your time, I think the you know the holy grail that all self-employed and entrepreneur people are trying to get to is to decide on what are the high-value tasks. If I've only got an hour a day, or if I've only got two hours a week, or I've got I'm working in ten-minute bursts, you know what is the most important thing that I need to do? And you know if this was easy to answer, well, we'd all be rich, wouldn't we? We wouldn't be sitting on blab having this conversation. It would you know if it were easy to do, everybody would be doing it. You know, it's something that we keep we keep working at. We keep, yeah. And it's important to keep working at it because um, it's practice. That's what I say with my toddler. Everything you do, it's practice. And and like you were saying, you know, about getting offline back, the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. And and disconnecting is is just something normal. Then what mm. we 
to do before we had smartphones, right? Absolutely. And it, look, it teaches us to be better online. It does. It teaches us to be stronger online with the content that we produce or the interactions that we have on social media and stuff like that because we're constantly reminded what it's like in the real world. We can translate those values. You know, there's a bit of a disconnect when you're only ever behind the screen. You kind of forget that they're real people behind the side, you know, that you're looking at, whether they're clients or, or whatever. And, and we need to remind ourselves that, you know, we do what we do because we want to help people and we do what we do because we're actually connecting with other people. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all the topics that we kind of thought of to talk about surviving Christmas as a copywriter. Did you guys have anything else to add? Do you know, one thing we didn't talk about is how to write the killer Christmas card. And then I'm, not, I'm not sure I have any searing insights at this stage into, into that. So, you know, I guess it's the same old copywriter rules of, you know, know who you're writing to and, and try and anticipate what they're looking yeah. for. I, I always tried to write a slightly personal message. So with all my customers, I, I kind of maybe brought up what we worked on together and I would say it was, you know, yeah. It was a real pleasure working on your website copy this year. Um, and I just want to wish you a, a Merry Christmas and special time with your family. Like I, I never wrote a message that sort of went, and in case you need copywriting in, in Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I just would always just keep it really personal yeah. and, and make sure it didn't feel like an automated message. Yeah. And just wish them special times. I think keep it like all staff, keep it sincere. Keep it real. Yeah. And maybe not maybe not even do the Christmas card. Pick something that actually means something to you and your client, like an anniversary of when they, you know, first gave you a project or something like that. Yeah. Rather than sort of buying in on when everyone's getting swamped with a whole lot of work and a whole lot of toys. Yeah, but what you're talking about, Becky's hard. <laughs> So <laughs> it's you no know, like you know being personal and, and intimate like that it takes time and it's a bit hard so you know I'm just being realistic. <laughs> Sometimes it's easier to just handwrite 250 Christmas cards. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So I shall end with a huge cheers for Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. listening if you like the show don't forget to leave us a rating and review on itunes and stitcher your review will help other copywriters find us you can also head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode until next time happy writing